In Washington, I'm Tommy McFly. And I'm Kelly Collis. Over the next 30-some minutes, we'll take a deep dive into No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not what we do. On the Tommy and Kelly Show, you can expect all things real fun D.C. Anything that has to do with D.C., like Jose Andreas, the pandas, the monuments. And, of course, we live in the District of Champions with our winning Nats, Caps, and Mystics. Kelly gets a little carried away on the sports stuff sometimes. That's true. For the last decade, we've been having a conversation about life in the nation's capital. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. All right, it's Wednesday, May 26th. Thanks for joining us. We've got a bunch of real fun DC stories this morning. And Kelly, um, I'm going to toss it right to you because you've got a personal story this morning. Uh, Yes, we are mourning the passing of a beloved local politician, but also I worked for him. He was one of my first jobs, and I want to share some stories about the passing of Senator John Warner. Uh, Also, if you're watching the video feed, the photo of Kelly and John Warner is one of my favorite Kelly photos from the archives. (laughs) I also put it up on my Instagram this morning. On a lighter note, though, we are going to talk a little baseball. We're not going to talk about how the Nats lost last night, but we're going to talk about how incredible Max Scherzer is and how he doesn't let a college graduation get in the way of his pitching. (laughs) Also, if you've been wondering what that sticky stuff is on your car, or maybe you feel it fall on your shoulder or on your nose or your face. On your shoulder or your nose? Oh, Oh, yes. Um, It has to do with the cicadas. Okay. Well, I didn't realize it could fall on your shoulders or your nose, but I guess it could, right? Yep. What goes up must come down, I guess is what they say. Also, how friends and low places can help bring America together. We're going to talk about that this morning. The Kennedy Center Honors, and I've covered many of these, is happening, has happened, sort of will happen in the future in this world that we're living in. Um, It's a virtual event this year, and the honorees came to town over the last week or so as the whole thing was being put together. I sing, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around, turn me around, turn me around, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around keep on walking keep on talking keep on singing keep on swinging gonna build a brand new world that's joan baez she's one of the 43rd annual kennedy center award honorees um she's of course the songwriter singer activist also um multiple disciplinarian artist choreographer actress debbie allen um the violinist midori Garth Brooks was honored. And Dick Van Dyke, that guy who is 95 years old, was honored. And so the way it's going to work this year, the Kennedy Center has filmed the tributes to these honorees all throughout the campus. So like on the roof, in the opera house, in the basement, in the front yard, in the backyard, like all over. So we're not sure entirely who is going to be there to honor them. And that's been an interesting thing for them to be like sneaking celebrities in and out for the last week or so. But they brought all the honorees together and my goodness. But wait, hang on. We're going to get to see it on TV eventually. Eventually, yeah. It'll yes. be in June on CBS is when you can see it. Or you can go to the, uh, the Kennedy Center's website, kennedy-center.org. That's why they were shooting these videos all around the campus is to get people, um, you know, to get the content to make it so that it could be put up. And you can buy tickets at kennedy-center.org. And they've got a lot of the, like, behind-the-scenes footage and that sort of thing. So Very where cool. it has normally been, like, a show on CBS, this year you're going to have a lot more access if you would have like bought a ticket to watch it online, watch it on your screens. Another silver lining. Mm-hmm. Dick Van Dyke, though, 95 years old. 
I just turned 95, so I'm happy to be anywhere. Says, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. I have no idea why I'm here, but I can't be more thrilled. You know, I don't think anybody goes into entertainment to win an award, exactly. But, you know, recognition from your peers is always a comfortable thing, kind of the icing on the cake. But this, this moment is, this is a, you know, Westminster Abbey. It's about the highest award. I can't believe it. He's got the beard. He's got the whole thing. He's got like the cane, but he was very much like with it and, and, and going on. He looks great. And the uh, press conference happened last Friday. Deborah Rudder, the, the president of the Kennedy Center, was sort of the moderator. People submitted questions ahead of time. Um, but it was funny because Dick Van Dyke is kind of hard of hearing. And so um, <laughs> as uh, Deborah Rudder is like asking Debbie Allen something, Dick Van Dyke is like, I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> He's 94, 95. He has the right to do that. <laughs> totally. And she just kind of like pats him on the shoulder. And she's like, well, I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> So that was kind of that was kind of hilarious. Um, and Joan Baez, who you heard singing at, at the top of the segment, she sang that in the Oval Office. They did get to go and do a, a White House visit, these just a State Department visit. And she was talking about being an activist and a protest songwriter in her day. She was asked about the new generation of of, of songwriters and if that protest culture and if that activist culture is still strong. I do think there are many writers out there writing meaningful songs. Um, I think they have a difficulty finding a platform. I mean, what is a platform today? And so I would encourage young songwriters um, to be willing to take a risk and to move into the good trouble. And if somebody says why, I would say if you don't do that, you're missing all the fun. I don't know if I agree with her on that one. I think uh, today's artists have plenty of platforms to uh, express their opinions. That was something I was wondering, like, I'm like, mm, just take your pick of between TikTok to uh, Twitter. They've got plenty of platforms. I think Joan Baez should get on TikTok. That would be incredible. <laughs> and uh, Debbie Allen, um, my goodness, like, what don't you know Debbie Allen from? She's been on uh, Grey's Anatomy forever, been nominated for 20 Emmys, two Tonys, um, Golden Globe Award. Her younger sister is Felicia Rashad, who actually just became the dean at Howard University of um, the Fine Arts College. And I don't know if this is going to come up in her Kennedy Center Honors um, awarding, but she at her dance school, taught Paula Abdul choreography. <laughs> That's very cool. And um, uh, they asked about, you know, Shonda Rhimes, who's known for bringing so many voices and so many shows and so many things to people's living rooms about Shonda Rhimes talking um, so, so favorably and lovingly about Debbie Allen. She says, Debbie Allen was the first one. Mm. She was the leader. That's quite a compliment. Thank you, Shonda Rhimes. I, uh, thank you. What can I say? It's, it's a lot of work, many years of work, and that's what I do. I keep my hands on the plow. I love it. And I also do appreciate that they got dressed up for the occasion. Yeah. Like that, you know, they're not showing up in their yoga pants. They're putting on their finest clothes and, and did it like it was a, you know, red carpet event. One thing that came out of it too, um, Garth Brooks was asked, like, how are things different with like you and Trisha Yearwood like doing streaming at home? And he's like, nothing. 
I do everything the same, whether it's a uh, sold out arena or my living room. <laughs> I was like, all right, guys, folks, <laughs> way to go. Um, so they did um, a bunch of these recordings. Small group of people were in attendance, like the high donors and all of that sort of thing. Um, and then the, they're releasing the content throughout and garth brooks my goodness he was asked um because he performed at the inauguration and he said he did it in service to his country so one of the questions was about that and about serving his country and if he's going to continue to do that and it was sort of a question that was like i think it was a question that like was kind of trying to lead him down to a political answer but what he said was just like we need friends in low places man check this out the truth is this so so politically uh, I stand with this. I, I believe in love. That's it. And I believe for the best person for the job, whatever that person is. And love is going to be a big thing to get my vote. So my thing is, if you ask, I'll be happy to serve this country. I don't get to do it in the honor that my father did as a former Marine, as my brothers did in the Air Force and in the Army. Um, so this is my way to contribute. And if the call is, we're all kind of sending love. We're all kind of finding a way to, for me, there's a gap right now. We got to build that bridge. We got to. And the only way you're going to build a bridge is open these. Probably shut this a little bit, you know, and uh, try and figure that out. Because uh, we had a buddy, sorry, I know you didn't want this long-winded answer. We had a buddy that just got her citizenship. And we'd known her forever, didn't know she was a citizen. Uh, She got her citizenship. And so they ask you to come with them when they get their citizenship. And you're crying like a baby the whole time. Because there's things you totally forgot and taken for granted as a citizen. But when they do the Pledge of Allegiance, one word stands out. It's indivisible. Right now we're divided. Right now we need to fix that. So if my service is somehow getting to help that, because it's going to take every one of us, count me in. I'll be streaming Garth Brooks music all day long today. <laughs> that guy. Way to go, Garth Brooks. It's good to see him back in D.C. Mm-hmm. You can catch the uh, Kennedy Center Honor special on CBS coming up in June. All right, let's get back to the cicadas here. So we have a, cu- <laughs> hey. a couple. I mean, we every day we're like, okay, we've we've hit every angle of the cicadas, but it just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. So, um, Choquette Chocolates, they are offering local, based in Mar- Maryland, they are offering chocolate covered cicadas. Love it. And the owner of the shop says they're really delicious. They're like chocolate covered potato chips, which means that um, she takes them, flash fries them, and then dips them in chocolate. I think that's the way to go. Everything's better in chocolate, right? If you're going to eat cicadas, why not and dip fried. them in chocolate? Yeah, exactly. Fry it in chocolate. Like, okay, great. I'll eat whatever you want if it's fried yeah. in chocolate. It's like a sweet and savory type of thing, like a chocolate covered pretzel, mm-hmm. you know, like a you know, a little salt, a little protein, and then you get the sweetness of the chocolate. I dig that. I spoke with um, a professor of food policy uh, from Johns Hopkins University, and uh, Professor Fonzo was saying that, like, around the world, people eat insects. Like, Europe and America are, like, the two places, like, that don't really eat insects. And not even, like, a because it's all they can afford kind of thing. Like, it's just culturally you eat insects in other parts of the world. So I'm not sure I'm there yet. 
<laughs> but good for her. It so is I think that's all after all. However, I'm not sure that I'm there. <laughs> that's the next wave of people posting on social media, right? It's going to be people that are eating cicadas. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that note, so um, we have Tommy, you're coming up to the house later today. Um, it is very loud here. It is doubled in the last couple of days of wow. the chirping of the cicadas. And in fact, it's it's good news because I always complain about the birds in the trees that wake me up at the crack of dawn. The cicadas have basically removed them from the trees. They have Look taken over all the trees that we have on our street. If you've noticed, like a if you park underneath a tree these days, you might notice like a really sappy thing coming on your on your car, like kind of covering the car and you have to clear off your windshield. I thought it was the sap from the trees, but it turns out that cicadas pee and that is their pee. It falls um, to the ground. It's like a gentle little rain shower. Um, I read this story in the Washington Post and it's like a watery tree sap. It won't hurt you. It's not harmful. It's not, but if you go walk down my block mm-hmm. or I mean any block where there's cicadas, you'll feel like just like the little, like a little tap it will just hit you. And those are the cicadas peeing. But you, uh, it's that much you can like feel it. Yes. And I have been feeling it for like, uh, like a week or so. And it wasn't until like, I got my car washed over the weekend to get rid of all this sap. And then like, I left it outside for two hours. I'm like, what the heck? Um, and it's, it's the cicada pee. Do you think it has butational value right like you have like a like a mud mask or like a seaweed mask like is the cicada pee actually <laughs> is it like helping your beauty regimen oh i don't i didn't go down that deep dive but if you your find something on growing <laughs> no no i'm not putting it on my face but if i wouldn't i wouldn't be opposed to that right <laughs> if somebody told me it made me look younger i would do it in a second <laughs> totally i mean cool. i've done worse things i mean <laughs> Um, so th- there, there you go. Um, so thank you for the Washington Post for clarifying that. I now know it's it's the canopy. And you know what? It's going to be gone in a couple of weeks, and then we yeah. have to wait another seventeen years. So I'm, I- I'm okay with it. Speaking of the 17 years thing, my friend Deb um, has putting together a cicada playlist. She was trying to tell the story of like the cicada's life cycle um, through music. And I was like, that is very creative. But also she found an article too um, on the science side that says, and I have not read the whole thing. So just, I know enough to be dangerous, but cicadas have evolved to come out every 13 and 17 years because it's a prime number that's not divisible by anything. So therefore like their predators can't account for it so Mm. like based on like the cycle of the sun animals are like okay this has been a year this has been two years this has been like seven years and dog years or whatever but if something is a prime number and not not easily divisible evolutionarily you can't like an animal can't plan for it to be like aha it's almost cicada eating time so they like (laughs) basically they surprise nature every time yeah, but they do get eaten by animals. Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, there's they they got they got that long trek from the ground up to the tree to get that mate. Yep. And when you're that size, it is a big mountain. They right, didn't realize all the dogs that would be um, adopted this year that right, would be exactly. ready to eat all the cicadas or step on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about baseball, and I'm not going to talk about the Nats record or their losing the game last night, uh, which was kind of heartbreaking because Max Scherzer was on the mound and he is just a beast that Max Scherzer is a beast. So Monday they had the day off Max Scherzer yesterday was Tuesday. He was was supposed to pitch. Well, like many baseball players, he is very routine in what he does. So the day before Max Scherzer is going on the mound, he likes to go onto the field, 
and throw the ball. The problem was, since Monday, there was no game, the stadium was being used for Georgetown University's graduation. <laughs> you think that would stop him, <laughs> but it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is on the field while the Georgetown graduation is literally happening. If you listen closely, those are the the announcers saying like Joe Blow's graduating with a BA in economics, and there's yeah. Max right beneath the, the jumbotron, warming up and uh, doing his routine before the day before the game. Let me play this one more time because you can hear the ball hit the mitt as it's all happening. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's a multi-use stadium. <laughs> right. And in behind him, if you haven't seen the video of this, like the names are on the scoreboard. Yes. <laughs> it says Georgetown University in the back. And he's just in the corner by the like right field fence where the bullpen would be just playing catch. <laughs> I, I, I can appreciate a good routine. Also last night, it was really special because the Cincinnati Reds were in town and our beloved reliever, Sean Doolittle, who now plays for the Reds, uh, was back at the stadium. It must have been very hard for him because this is the first time he's been back since, since there's fans since the World Series. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why I love baseball. Yeah, you honor the players that have played with your team, especially when they brought you a champion and last night was no different at Nats Park. They did a whole ceremony before the game honoring Sean Doolittle's contribution to the team. And of course, Doolittle is a big sap. He was a, an emotional baggage. They had the camera on him, but it was really nice to see it. We have a little clip from it. For Sean Doolittle, it was July 10th, 2017 that sent him from Oakland here to Washington, D.C. It's like being the new kid at school, you know, like that, that first week you're kind of walking around, you're just trying to keep your head down and kind of find where you fit in with the group. And Sean Doolittle now on his way in for his Nets debut. Swing and a fly ball, shallow left, he makes the catch. Bang, zoom, Sean Doolittle does the job and a curly W's in the books. Yeah, it, it was a really special tribute. And you do see him like lift up his glasses and wipe his, his eyes. And then Ryan Zimmerman, Davey Martinez and Daniel Hudson came on the field and had little gifts for him and a jersey. Uh, so it was really neat. And he got a standing ovation. And, and if you're not a Nats fan and you happen to watch it, you heard what you thought was booing. <laughs> but of course, it was his his chant when he got up to the mound, which is do. And you, you could hear that uh, through the television. It was really awesome. And he also closed and beat us last night too well he was a part of it i mean max scherzer did give up two home runs but you know i'm not i would never say that to his face no i wouldn't either <laughs> I, no, i'd be like i'm sorry i don't know what happened sir i think they cheated and they i don't, I don't know why they ran home but it definitely wasn't your fault <laughs> yeah, totally. uh, well, we're at we're at them again tonight here's the thing though about that i saw all this happen on social media and it was so i've, I've never seen a team honor someone who's from another team who like worked for that team before. Like, I've never seen that happen. I, maybe it happens all the time in baseball. It just, it just happened with one of our Nats players when they went back to Chicago, John Lester. It did. Okay. So I yeah. don't, I don't follow it as closely, but they like the Nats were, cause I don't follow the Chicago white Cubs. Socks. No Cubs, Cubs, but he's a Nats player. It was a Nats game. And yeah. Then, I don't follow okay. it that closely. Um, but okay. so like on the Nats Twitter handle is where I get most of my Nats news yesterday. They were like, here's Sean Doolittle, like walking through the stadium, like taking a picture with his picture on the wall and like all that stuff. It, 
it felt to me, and I'm glad to know this happens more in baseball. Like this happens often, but it felt almost like you have a breakup and then you like marry someone new, but you say to your ex, like, Hey, thanks for making me like a more communicative person, a better lover, like a smarter human. And like, I learned so much from our time together, but anyway, I'm marrying this person now. Like it's, that's, that's how it sounded and felt in my head. I was like, but we should have do, why did we get rid of him? We should have him and we should have Rendon too, but that's neither here nor there. But it's like, complicated. Womp, Tommy, womp. it's a business. No, it happens business. all the time. I know. I know. And I, like, I, I think it was wonderful. And I think, like, I think it was cool, but like, as someone who's not as plugged into it as you are, I was just like, hmm, this is wonderful and also kind of awkward, but also wonderful at the same time. I don't have a response for that, Tommy. It happens like <laughs> all the time. It's happened at Nats Park. Nats players come from other teams. I mean, <laughs> good to know. I didn't know that. I mean, I love that. Like you could have watched it last night, but you watched it on Twitter. And that's just how you and I just consume things differently. Yes, totally. <laughs> Rolling Thunders coming through D.C. again on Sunday. And this is just incredible to hear this because, you know, it's such a great cause. They're bringing awareness to uh, veterans missing in action and also the, the veteran suicide crisis in our country. And so the motorcycles are going to be fired up. We're going to hear that sound rolling through our city again. But it's also a heads up because downtown on Sunday, there are several road closures. They're going to start at RFK, kind of go around the mall, down 395. So just prepare for that. Um, but I just love to hear it because there was some question whether it was coming back or not coming back or it was ever going to come back. So this Sunday, bringing awareness to an amazing cause. Really cool that that is happening. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I do want to get into John Warner because he was a veteran. Um, and it's, it's very hard to say he was because he passed away last night. Um, Senator John Warner from Virginia served uh, as a um, Korean veteran, World War II veteran, served our country as Secretary of the Navy under Nixon. Um, but more importantly, he served the state of Virginia for 30 years as their senator. And he is um, was an incredible man, um, and I'm so honored that I got to meet him. Um, I worked for him. It was my very first like real professional job where I had to like wear a fancy skirt and wear you know my sneakers on the metro and put my heels on in the office. Uh, I worked for him in 1990 as a intern um, when I was 16 years old. I love this, and the photo of you and him is just incredible. Yeah, he um, was and his staff were amazing to have a first professional experience with. Um, he was a uniter. Uh, he worked with both sides of the aisle. Uh, in fact, when he retired in 2008, he endorsed Mark Warner, no relation, who's now the current senator of Virginia. He worked with Democrats. He, he was a Republican. He worked with Democrats across the aisle all the time. He worked with the Clinton administration. Like he just was one of those politicians that you just don't really hear about anymore as far as like bridging the aisle. Mm -hmm. But I do have to say he always gave me a hard time because I went to, I lived in Maryland and I went to school in Maryland. And of course he was a Virginia Senator and he could never figure out why I worked there. <laughs> and <laughs> what his chief of staff didn't want to share with him is that like, I basically like stalked their office because oh, okay. I, I wanted to work for a Republican. I was a little Alex P Keaton in high school <laughs> and Maryland didn't have any Republican senators. And I really wanted to work in the Senate. I was really interested in pursuing politics. Um, and I did eventually do that for a bit um, during college and after college. Um, and he always gave me a hard time. He's like, I don't understand. Well, I have a Maryland girl working in my Virginia office. It's a really good question, actually. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but they did allow me to work, you know, after school uh, a couple days a week. And I was in charge of opening the mail. So I had a nice. big responsibility of doing that. And um, it just, it's, it, it's, I read that this morning and I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, obviously I didn't really like keep touch. It was like a little blip in, in his long history of serving our country. But I just, uh, he was an incredible man. And it's one of those things that in the days, um, here in DC and, uh, you know, around the country, we're going to read more about this person and people are going to know more about him and be like, why aren't there politicians doing what he did today? I mean, literally he was part of uh, a group of politicians that were dedicated to working with both sides of the aisle. Um, so, I mean, it, it just, you just don't hear about it. He was up for, um, a, uh, a secretary of defense under Clinton, under Bill Clinton, the Democrat. Well, I mean, that's when he, you said that. I was like, he was a Democrat. And you're like, no, he was a Republican. I was like, how mm -hmm. did that happen? Uh, yeah. Right. And, you know, endorsing Mark Warner. And in fact, Warner actually ran against him at one point. But once he retired, he then endorsed Mark Warner, I believe, for both of his terms. Oh, wow. After Mark Warner was governor, I guess. Right. Yes. Well, no, Warner ran. <laughs> Warner ran against him at some point in the late 90s. Um, and it was very that confusing. That must have been confusing on the yes. ballot. Warner yes. and Warner. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but then eventually, of course, uh, they became friends. And, 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 and John Warner stayed very active in... Um, politics. He was a lobbyist. I mean, he was, he didn't, he didn't go away quietly into the sunset. Right. Right. Well, in he his, um, in his uh, retirement remarks that he made in 2008 on Capitol Hill, he just has this like statesman-iness about him. And make known to all Virginians, first and foremost, be you a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, all of you have joined these many years to enable this humble soul to have had a magnificent and very rewarding career in the United States Senate. Rest in peace, Senator John Warner. I will always remember you. And I mean, I'm just one of thousands and thousands of people that you affected. And I, I read this morning, there was a statement from his longtime chief of staff, who was literally the chief of staff when I was there in, in the 90s, Wow, uh, Susan McGill. Um, and apparently his daughter was by his side and he was 94. So he lived a very full life Incredible and just one life. of those, you know, he served our country and he was a World War II veteran and a Korean War veteran. And uh, there's, you know, not a lot of those these days is really in the Senate, too. So um, thank you for letting me share that. Of course. Of course. And thank you for finding this awesome photo from the archives. I, I mean, it's a treasure item of mine. It took me when I read it this morning that he had passed. I'm like, I know exactly where this photo is. You can see it, too. If you're if you're listening to the audio show, you can see it uh, on Instagram, right? At City Shop Girl. Yep. It's on my story. Very cool. And thanks for joining us this morning. You can catch up with any of our past shows because I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to spend your day <laughs> on our past shows on the Tommy and Kelly show. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts or you can download the Real Fun DC app to catch up with our other uh, awesome shows here on Real Fun DC as well. See you next time. Yeah.